like to invite everyone to turn with me in your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 9. We'll be reading verses 30 through 34. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were, because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant, and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. It's our privilege to welcome back our brother Jack Peffley and got acquainted a little bit with his wife, Ia, and glad that they could be with us this week, and um, he's now going to bring us this morning's message. Good morning, everyone. Let's take a moment and just ask God to be with us when we read his word. Father, as we open your word to read and to study, open our minds that we might be able to hear you speaking through your word. Open our eyes that we might be able to get a glimpse of you that would help us to know you better. And may we feel your very presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. This week, of course, we have been talking about our relationship with God. Getting to know God as a father, as a daddy. And as a result of that, we have discovered that whose job is it, first of all, to forgive us for all of our sins? I know it's church, but you can talk. Okay, whose job is it? God's. And then once we accept him and we become one of God's children, whose job is it to make us like Jesus? Through Jesus, amen? God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. How much of it can we do? Not at Nothing. A matter of fact, the more we try, generally speaking, the more discouraged we get. About the time we look at our performance based on what the Bible talks about in obedience, about the only thing that's going to happen is a pity party. Might as well give up. We ain't going to make it. We're just fooling ourselves. But we've discovered last night, we talked about, is it really possible to be able to live without sin? Does the Bible tell us we can? Absolutely. But is it us doing it? No. The one sin that we cannot commit is the sin of trying to do it ourselves. The sin of not asking the Holy Spirit to come and do what He's promised. As long as we're not committing that sin, then we're not committing a sin God can't forgive. And we are giving our lives to him on a daily basis that he promises he will come in and he will take care of it. It's his responsibility, not ours. Our responsibility is to let him. But still people reach a point 
Because Satan is so clever. Next day we go out, we had great determination, but the next day we go out and we say the same thing or we do the same thing, we blow it. And of course, as a result of that, he gets us down, gives us a depression. But we've learned we ought to be able to tell him about what Jesus can do. Amen? How does God really look at people? How does he put up with people who have cherished sins in their life? How does he put up with people who have persistent sin in their life? How does he put up with people that have known sin in their life? Anybody ever heard these things before? You know, you might as well give up. But we find the story here in Mark about the disciples. You know, it's amazing to me. Peter one day told Jesus, well, you're the Son of God. And Jesus says, you know, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but God has. And Jesus went on to explain to them about what was going to happen to him. And Peter said, even though everybody forsakes thee, I won't. I'm ready to die for you. By the way, did he mean it? Absolutely he meant it. How do we know? When they came to get Jesus, what did he do? He pulled out his sword and went to work. Amen? He meant exactly what he said. Some of us might be able to relate to this about how does our relationship and our willpower work. But you remember what Jesus told Peter? I'm going to pray for you, Peter. And when you're converted... Now let that one sink in, huh? I mean, he's one of the apostles. He's been out preaching. He's healed people. In the name of Jesus, amen? He's been out there doing all this stuff. And Jesus looks right at him and says, when you're converted. Wasn't even converted. Hello? We have people in the church, they're not converted, but they're there. In a lot of cases, how do we even know they're not converted? Well, because they kind of a little bit like Peter. <laughs> they're quick to point out everybody else's problems, okay? And at the same time, they don't hang out with certain people. But now Jesus died, he's resurrected, right? He comes to Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Remember? What did Peter say? You know I do. Jesus asked him that question three times. Now, how many of you believe from that point on, Peter was absolutely perfect? No, even Paul had to rebuke him later, didn't he? All right? So this walk with the Lord, folks, is something that begins when we are converted to Jesus Christ, but we remember from what I said last night, we're babies. And we have to learn to be able to let Jesus walk in us. Now, I know you're wondering, what's the point 
in this story. Well, what was the thing they did? What did, you, what did they, why didn't they answer Jesus? They were arguing over who was going to be number one. Kind of like who's going to be head elder. I don't know about you, John. I've been there. You've been there. I wish somebody else had the job. Amen. But anyway, argue over this. They all thought they were good enough that Jesus could go on permanent vacation and they'd be able to run the show. And yet we know for a fact at this time Peter wasn't even converted. Hello. Now you know of all the sins that I read about in the Bible. Sin, sin. But I think God hates pride the worst. Pride's the one that started the whole thing. Don't you believe that? Pride started it all. And you know what? That's probably one of the sins we don't hear a lot of preaching about. You ever notice that? Pride just kind of goes unscathed. I mean, Lord help the guy that's smoking cigarettes. But I mean, you know, pride? <laughs> Here they were arguing over who was going to be number one. That would be called pride, wouldn't it? Listen, two of them even got Mama to go talk to Jesus. You remember? Huh? Can't one of my boys sit on one side and one on the other? Over and over and over, Jesus told them what was going to happen. You know, he didn't really ever rebuke them in relationship. You know, the disciples never truly understood the second coming of Christ. You know that, don't you? And I don't find anywhere in the Bible he ever sat down and gave them a Bible study to straighten them out. The only thing he ever said was, my kingdom is not of this world. But even they were expecting a kingdom to be set up and they were going to run it. We come down to the last hours before Christ dies. They've gathered together in the upper room. What are the disciples doing? Arguing over who's going to be number one. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but I consider that persistent sin. I don't know about you all. I don't know how you define it. But I would consider it persistent sin. I would even consider it known sin. How about you? Obviously, it was cherry sin, right? And when we look at these things, when thou comest into thy kingdom, what did she say? Remember my two boys. Let them sit on each side. Here we are at the Lord's Supper, and there's strife among them. It was continual over and over and over, folks. And probably with a sin that God hates the word. Now, if I'd have been Jesus, I probably would have said, give me 12 new ones. <laughs> this is miserable. I am so tired. These guys are never going to learn. Huh? Don't you think? I, maybe the rest of you wouldn't have done that, but that's probably what I would have done. What does Jesus do? Almost 
without notice, he gets up, goes over, takes his coat off, gets some water and a towel, and kneels down and starts washing their feet. You know, most theologians agree the first person he washed was Judas. You know, he loved Judas. You all know that. I mean, can't you hear Jesus is there washing Judas' feet? And, and it just, the atmosphere has to be saying, Judas, I love you. Judas, it's not too late, Judas. You can still ask me, I'll forgive you. I still want you to be in the kingdom with me, Judas. Don't you believe that was what was going through Jesus' heart? He loved these men and women. One by one, he comes to him, And by this time, Peter realizing that he blew it. He said, wait a minute, Lord. <laughs> You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't, then you don't have any part with me. Now, did Peter want to be part of the group? Absolutely. He said, listen, Lord. Okay, not just my feet, my hands, my head. Give me a bath, Lord. And Jesus said, no, you don't need to have a bath, but you got a little dirt. Let me take it away. You know, a lot of times when we do evangelism, we have people that are impressed with, you know, being rebaptized. Rebaptized. And I'm not against rebaptized. Listen, I've been baptized three times. I'm a hard head. Okay. But did you know what communion really is? It's a mini baptism. Hello? You know, some people won't even come to church. We talked a little bit about this the other night. They won't even come to church because it's communion Sabbath and we announce it at least one or two weeks in advance. I wish we'd quit announcing it, John. Let them show up and get shocked. Okay. <laughs> Why do people miss it? Because they don't understand it. It's that simple. They just flat don't understand what Jesus did so long ago and what he can still do today. People try to say, well, yeah, but if I partake of it unworthily, then I condemn myself. And some of those who are really up on the spirit of prophecy, they'll try to take a comment Ellen White made out of context. It doesn't say what they want it to say. But like I said last night, what is it you think you can do to make yourself worthy? Hello? Come on, tell me. You know, not a thing, is there? There is nothing we can do to make ourselves worthy. So first of all, you don't understand the text. Amen? And you really don't understand the text. What makes us worthy? That, of course, is the overall answer. Thank you, Carol. But what makes us worthy to partake of the bread and the juice? The foot washing. Okay? Now, some people who come to communion service, you know, they got these long, sad faces. You know, look like they were baptized in lemon juice, you know. <laughs> if you're going to have a long, sad face, you have a long, sad face going into the foot washing. Okay? But when you come out, put a smile on your face because you're 100% and you haven't had time to blow it yet. Amen? And when you come back in, you're completely worthy because Jesus 
made you worthy. Are you beginning to understand? And all of this in a setting, they were arguing over who was going to be number one. What did Jesus do with these known sinners? What did he do with these sinners that persisted in the sin? What did he do with these sinners who cherished being number one? Throw them all away and get 12 new ones? He kept hanging out with them. Kept teaching them. Kept going with them. And he says when he leaves, he said, don't worry about a thing. I'll be with you even until the end of the world. Now, if God can take known sinners, cherish sinners, people who <laughs> like it, and turn the world upside down with these sinners, what do you suppose he could do with us? Huh? What do we have to do? Hang in there. That's all he asks. Listen, it's my job to change you. You hang in there. I'll change you. The one sin that God can't forgive is you trying to live your Christian life on your own efforts. What you're trying to do is earn it, and you can't. The only thing God ever asks, every day give your life to Him again. Every day ask Him to come in and keep His promise. And Jesus will change each and every one of us just like he did these 12 hardheads. Hello. That ought to give you courage. If you blew it yesterday, listen, Jesus still says, I love you, I want to hang out with you. Isn't that wonderful? You know, we have eternal life not for anything we have ever done or ever said or ever will do. It's a free gift. Will we reach a point that we will be living without sin? Absolutely, or the Bible's a lie. But will we be doing it? Jesus will be doing it, living his life in us, because we ask him to keep his promise. And he promised he would. Amen? That's what's so wonderful about this when we think about it. Pride, this is of course what Lucifer blue. Pride was what lifted up and started everything. Sometimes people in church, you know, they come to church and we say we're glad we're here, but how many reactions do we get like this sometimes? How do you suppose God reacts? God would come and sit down beside him, put his arm around him and said, I love you. You know, that's the wonderful part about it. I was in Pahrump, Nevada. <laughs> a gal came in, you could hear her. She had a Rhoda's Harley. I mean, you could tell it was a Harley. Pulls up, walks in, comes into the church. She's got on these biker leathers. And let me tell you something. Her skirt was so short, she should have powdered both sets of cheeks. There's one chair open. It's the chair beside Richard, who used to be head elder. 
One of those who is quick to point out your troubles. Dale was up front preaching and he just kind of took a gulp of what was going to happen, especially sitting beside Richard. So Dale prayed a little and kept right on praying. But then he watched. Richard took his Bible, turned over and he, as he sat beside her and went like this. And he'd take another text and he'd go like this. That little girl came back to church time after time. Skirt came down. Clothes even changed. Still riding a Harley last time I saw her. What made the difference? Jesus Christ. Not us, not church members. Jesus makes the difference. And he can make the difference in all of us if we just realize what's going on. How is it working? I don't know how many have heard the story because it went around all over the church. And it's a true story. One day a biker came in. Church was absolutely packed. It's smaller than this place. But we were up to where we had about 150 people coming to church. And I mean, every chair was full. This guy came in, walked right up front, sat down in the aisle right there. <laughs> Two of the other fellows got up, walked up, sat down beside him. Today he's head elder in Pahrump. By the way, he still rides a Harley. See, bikers aren't bad people. God can change anybody, folks. Jesus loves us. Do we really show the love that God gives to us? Do we understand how patient God is with us? Do we really want to be like Jesus? If we do, then we just have to let him come in and change our hearts. Gary? Mm-hmm. That's right. Reminds me of patience. Yeah. Patience. So like, I'll be patient enough to wash your feet and wait. Who he that would be number one will end up what? Last. So Jesus was telling it. How do we testify to people, folks? Are we like some of the church members when the woman was found in sin? Are we ready to pick up the rocks and start throwing them? Or do we see ourselves? as Jesus sees each one of us. I believe in you and I have faith in you, Jesus says. Even though you're right, you can't, I can. Would you please let me do it for you? I will present you faultless before my Father. Please let me come and live in your life today. That's what Jesus asks every day. And as we said, even that little book, Steps to Christ, Make it a daily work. A daily work. If you weren't saved this morning, you're not saved. Hello. I just tell you that straight. I don't care how long you've been in the church. If you didn't ask God to take you again today, this morning, and that His will be done in your life and not yours, you're in trouble. Hello. I don't care if you got your name on the books and had it there for 70 years. Church membership don't save you. It's only our relationship with God is what saves us.
Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being able to stand before your people. Father, please, through your Holy Spirit, convince us that what your Bible tells us is truth. We are your sons and daughters because you give it to us. We will be citizens of heaven through the power of Jesus living in us. Let us become the type of representative that people want to be around because we're happy, we have a smile, we have a song. Lord, if we do this, you promise if we stay connected, you will supply the fruit. So this is our great want is to be like you, Jesus. So, Father, here we are. We want to hold up your word, and we just say this to you. Keep your promise. Amen.